Well, we're going to read from the Bible together now, and we're going to turn to the book of Psalms. Uh, we're taking a short break from our series on Second Peter, and we're turning tonight to the first psalm in the Psalter, Psalm 1. Uh, you'll find it on page 448 of the Pew Bibles, page 448. And later in our service, we're going to be thinking about this psalm together. Very important psalm. It's really a gateway psalm into the whole of the Psalter and uh, important that we refresh our memory on it from time to time. So Psalm 1, uh, you'll see that the title of the psalm is The Way of the Righteous and the Wicked. And the psalm itself is just six verses long and it's on page 448 of the Pew Bibles. And this is God's word to us. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this evening. Well, at this point in our service, let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 1. You'll find Psalm 1 on page 448 of your pew Bibles. Uh, tonight is something of a one-off sermon. We've been working our way through Second Peter, and we are going to come back to it after half term. This evening, though, I want us to look at Psalm 1, and this is a very important psalm that has a lot to say to us. Uh, the psalms have often been called the soul's medicine chest, and it'll be good for us to take on board some of the medicine contained in Psalm 1. As you're turning that psalm up, uh, let's pray briefly together. Father, tonight we come to you as sick and needy sinners, and we're thankful for the medicine that your word contains. And we pray that as we look at Psalm 1 together, you might provide medicine for our souls, that you might increase our faith in you, that you might help us to trust you all the more, and that you might also challenge us if we're not yet trusting in the Savior. We pray that you'd speak as we look at this short, simple psalm together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the modern world, there's a great focus on security, especially when it comes to our use of the internet. Experts would tell us that it's important to have secure passwords for things like our online banking and social media accounts. According to a report by the UK's National Cyber Security Centre, Millions of people are using easy-to-guess passwords on sensitive accounts. 123456 was the most widely used password on accounts that have been breached. When it comes to creating strong passwords, the National Cyber Security Centre recommended putting three random but memorable words together. Security is something that's important for us when we use the internet, but, but, but it's also something that we look for in our own personal lives. We all want to earn enough money to live securely, to be able to put food on the table and clothes on our back. We want to keep our houses secure so we install, uh, install alarm systems and maybe even CCTV cameras. 
We lock our car doors when we park them in car parks. Even our phones are covered in security. Some of them might have facial recognition software. All of them will have pin codes protecting them so that if they're stolen, they're basically useless to those who have taken them. Security. It's something that we need. It's something that we want. We want life to be secure. We want things to go well for us. We want to put our head on the pillow at night knowing that we are secure and that our loved ones are secure as well. Let me ask you a question. Have you found security yet? Have you found it? Everybody loves the Psalms. And people have often said to me that there's great comfort found in the Psalms. That's because they're full of emotion and and speak about the experiences that we have in this life. As the book of Psalms opens, as we read the first of 150 Psalms, we're invited to think about and reflect on whether or not we have true security. As As a book, the Psalms have a lot to say about King David. There are many Psalms written by him, but the focus of the Psalms as a whole are on David's king, the Lord God himself. As we read the Psalms, it's also helpful for us to remember that they lie behind the New Testament message about the Lord Jesus Christ. No other book is quoted as much in the New Testament as the Psalms are. We know from the Gospels that Jesus knew the Psalms well. He understood himself and his mission from many of the Psalms. Psalm 1, though, stands as the gateway to the rest of the Psalms, and it was deliberately composed to introduce the whole book. It's as though the compiler of the Psalms thought, this is the one that everybody needs to read first. That This is the one we need to read and understand first, because in it, we have the way to know true and lasting security. We're going to see three things as we look at Psalm 1 together this evening. We're going to see the right way, the wrong way, and then the only way. Let's think, first of all, about the right way. And as we do that, let's read verse 1 of the psalm again together. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The first word of the psalm is important to note. It says that the man who goes the right way is blessed. Now, the word blessed means happy, fulfilled, or satisfied. But, but in Hebrew, the word goes a little bit further. It's a plural word, so instead of bless, blessed, it might be better to read it as saying, Oh, the blessednesses of the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. This man, whoever he is, is to be envied. He, he is just so well off. He has everything sorted. He rejects one of two ways of life. Verse 1 tells us what the blessed man does not do. It describes this progression through life, and it's not a very good progression. So the blessed man doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't listen to the ideas of the wicked. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He's not involved in the lifestyle that goes along with the ideas. And he doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't join others in their derision of God. I wonder, can you recognize this way of life? The way where people take in the thinking of the world and accept its view of life. As we look at our world, what kind of thinking or behavior are we talking about? Well, our world is obsessed with materialism. It's been said that the most dangerous thing to watch on TV are the adverts. Adverts preach a gospel of materialism to us. 
They tell us that we need a luxurious holiday, a new car, the latest phone to have security and satisfaction. And we can be sucked in by all of that. Our world is also obsessed with a certain view of what it means to be human. Our world tells us that to be truly happy, we should live and behave in whatever way we want. We should express ourselves in the way in which we feel most comfortable. And now there are no barriers for self-expression. And to go against the world's thinking on such issues will mean that we're outdated or even worse, evil. The, the man of Psalm 1 isn't involved in worldly thinking and behavior though. At the end of the verse, we're told that, that this blessed man doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. And the seat really speaks of someone who is settled in sinfulness. They're comfortable. They feel like they belong there. This progression of, of walking, standing, and sitting is a downward one. It seems from these verses that sin goes from bad to worse. It's a downward spiral. The, the point is that if you think like the world, you will talk like the world. And if you think and talk like the world, you will walk like the world. Now, the blessed man isn't like this. Well, what the man does is described in verse two. Let's read it together. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. There's a real contrast between verses one and two. We're told what the man does not do in verse one and we're told what he does do in verse two. And the two things could not be further from each other. The man isn't involved in the world's thinking, but instead he loves the law of the Lord. Now, this is just more than the Ten Commandments as well. This is the whole of the Bible, the whole of God's word. The powerful influence of the anti-God world is rejected by this man, and the word of God is embraced. This man's delight is in the word. He considers it a privilege to have. He values his time reading God's word. He doesn't find reading it a chore. It's a pleasure. It's a delight. It naturally comes up in, com in his conversations and it's the central and controlling influence in his life. And look at the results for this blessed man who goes the right way in verse three. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This man is secure. If he used social media, he would use the saying that he is hashtag blessed a lot. Notice the simile in verse three. The man is like a tree that has been planted. The tree just hasn't popped up anywhere. It has been expertly placed beside streams of water. It yields its fruit in season. It produces what it's meant to produce. Droughts might come, strong winds might come, but it doesn't affect or harm the tree. This is the life of the blessed man. The, the results for him are rounded off at the end of verse three where it says, in all that he does, he prospers. Uh, Liverpool are not prospering at the minute, which I have to say makes me very happy indeed. Manchester United, on the other hand, are on this upward curve. They're beginning to prosper again, having been through a fairly bad patch. But the man of Psalm 1 has no prospering issues. He prospers in all that he does, all the time. As you read Psalm 1, you, you begin to wonder who the, who, who the Psalm's talking about. Who could this blessed man be? We long to be like him, but we know that we're far from that. 
Who, who could this person be? Well, we'll come back to that in a few moments. We've seen the right way of the blessed man, but what about the wrong way? Having spent a considerable amount of time explaining the way of the blessed man, the psalmist speaks about the wrong way, the, the, the way of the wicked in two short verses. Look at verse four. It says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. You, you couldn't come up with an image that is more different from that of a tree. It's similar in that it's another agricultural image, but it's the opposite of a fruitful tree. The psalmist says the wicked are like worthless chaff. At harvest time, farmers would gather the sheaves of grain, lay them on the, th on the threshing floor, and crush them with a, with a threshing sledge. They would toss the grain into the air with a winnowing fork. The heavier grain would fall back on the threshing floor, but the dry chaff would be blown away by the wind. In contrast to the stable tree standing by the water, chaff is extremely dry and unstable, and it's just blown away by the wind. Notice some of the other contrasts. The tree is well watered, the chaff is dry as dust. The tree is fruit-bearing, the chaff is worthless. The tree is alive, the chaff is dead. Can you think of anything more worthless or useless than chaff? Well, what's striking here is that those who don't love the Lord are called wicked. There's a black and white starkness to the Bible sometimes. You're either righteous or wicked. So some of us know some very good people, really good people who have no interest in the Lord. They have no interest in the scriptures, but they're good neighbors, they're caring, they're generous. But what the Bible says is that a person who has no interest whatsoever in God is wicked. The one who made them, the one who made this wonderful word, the one who has given them every good thing they have ever enjoyed. If a person has no interest in God, they are wicked for that reason alone. Well, one person puts it like this. The life of the wicked, a life lived apart from God, is just as empty, just as meaningless and worthless as the chaff. If the righteous are secure, then the wicked are totally insecure. Look what will happen to those who go the right way and the wrong way in verses 5 and 6. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The wicked, we're told, will, will not stand in the judgment. Psalm 1 speaks in, in black and white terms about profound matters. It's saying that when we think about security, we must understand the reality of God's judgment. Will it really matter how much money we've managed to put away in the bank? Will it really matter how many acres of land we own? Will it really matter how big our houses are? If you're among the wicked, you won't have a leg to stand on. There's a mention of a, of a congregation of the righteous. This is the positive side of judgment. There's a gathering in God's presence and the Lord knows the way of the righteous. It's, a, it's approved and endorsed by him. But the way of the wicked will perish. The first word and the last word capture the essence of the psalm. The blessed will prosper, the wicked will perish. That's, there's, a, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. Now, I could ask you a question. Which way are you going to choose? We've seen two ways of life. Which way are you going to go? The right way 
or the wrong way. Now, this is the standard application of this psalm, that there are two ways to live and that you should also have a regular quiet time, that you should be better and be more faithful. That's what the blessed man does. That's what you should do. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that application really quite disheartening. It's almost law, and my guess is that it leaves most of us feeling hopeless and utterly wretched. If we applied this psalm in that way, most of us would feel leaving like chaff. And this is where our third point comes in. We've thought about the right way and the wrong way. Now we're going to think about the only way. As we think about this third point, we're going to come back to the question we asked a few moments ago. Who could this blessed man be? Is there anyone who fits the bill as we read the Bible? Well, towards the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Joshua, there are several verses that might help us identify who that person is. This is from Joshua 1. Joshua is the leader of Israel, and he's on the brink of taking the people into the promised land. And the Lord says these words to him. Joshua 1, be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Joshua's delight was to be in the law of the Lord. It says that when he meditates on the law, he will be successful. He is to be the man of Psalm 1. If you read the story of Joshua, you'll find to a large extent he is. There's another candidate, though, the great King David, the king who reigned over Israel. Listen to part of a psalm that he wrote. This is Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. It sounds like it's the man of Psalm 1 who's writing Psalm 19, that this is someone who loves the law of the Lord. On his deathbed, David told his son Solomon how he was to live, and he told him to be the the man of Psalm 1, to live by the law of the Lord and to meditate on it. The, the, the man we're supposed to think of as the man of Psalm 1 is the leader. If the leader is righteous, then the people will surely be righteous as well. But that's where we run into problems. The history of the Old Testament tells us that no leader and no king, not even Joshua, not even great King David, live up to the expectations and call of Psalm 1. No one turns out to be the man of Psalm 1. Th- things once got so bad in Israel that the nation lost the book of the law. It was so neglected, so maligned, that it was lost. It was eventually found, and you can read about that in 2 Kings 22. But as time went on, the nation of Israel became wicked. Judgment came, and they didn't stand when it came. The nation was was completely undone. The the Pharisees and the scribes in the New Testament weren't much better. They were once described as people who were like whitewashed tombs, clean on the outside, but rotten on the inside. Who could this person be, this, this blessed man? I put it to you this evening that Psalm 1 is about the second Adam, Jesus Christ. That Psalm 1 tells us about a man who is truly happy 
as he lives by God's words. Isn't it interesting that Psalm 1 gives us a picture of a garden? There's a tree and there's a stream. The, the garden is where Adam failed in the beginning. But this garden is different. The, the man who is like a tree planted in this garden prospers in all that he does. Psalm 1 is not just about two ways to live. It's not just a moral poem which tells us to clean up our act and try harder. Set in the context of the whole Bible, it's about Jesus and his people. Jesus did not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers and neither will we if we follow him. The, the, the clearest explanation of this in the New Testament comes in 1 Peter 3:18. It tells us that Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Jesus was the righteous one. He is the man of Psalm 1. He died for the sins of the unrighteous, the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers, also that they might be brought into the assembly of the righteous. Everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life and will be blessed forever. Trusting in him is the only way by which we can pass through God's judgment without fear. Now here's the important application for us if we know Jesus. All that he does prospers. That's good news for us as we come crawling into church as people who are weak and frail and sinful. All that Jesus does prospers. Psalm 1 tells us that we are alive because he was fruitful. And Jesus is the one who can help us. He is the one who strengthens us and encourages us in a world that is transient. Isn't that much better news than the alternative application of this psalm? Doesn't that encourage you? All that, all that Jesus does prospers. And because of him, we can be like the person described in Psalm 1. But by his Holy Spirit, Jesus will help us to be the people who love his word and people who don't walk in the way of the wicked. 1 John 5 verse 3 says, This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Psalm 1 is not burdensome. It's not beating us up and telling us that we need to have a longer and better quiet time. It's telling us that we have a Savior who's been faithful to us and a Savior who helps us to delight in him. I said at the beginning that the Psalms have been called the soul's medicine chest. Psalm 1 is a tonic for the soul as we go into another week. Well, what if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian though? Well, Psalm 1 says that you're marked by scoffing and wickedness. You're marked by transience and death. There's, there's no escape from this. Even if you tried to give yourself to the law, you, you wouldn't be able to obey it. You're marked by the first Adam and will die as a child of Adam unless you come to Jesus. Unless you come to the second Adam who provides life in all its fullness. What you've got to see this evening is that you must come to Jesus. You must run to him. The, the only way to get right is by trusting in the righteous one. If you go the wrong way, you will only perish. And it really is as stark as that. There's actually an urgency to this first psalm in the Psalter. J Jesus had that same urgency 
when he talked about building your house on sand or on rock, when he talked about going down the broad road or the narrow road. Psalm 1 is a psalm that asks you, have you found security yet? It's a psalm which tells us that there's only one way to find it. There's only one person who can provide it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Blessed be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Blessed be the righteous one who died for unrighteous sinners like you and me. Will you find your security in him this evening? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Psalms. We thank you that they provide us with medicine for the soul. And we thank you for Psalm 1 and for how it points us to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. We pray that tonight we might find our security and rest and satisfaction in him. Help us to run to him. Help us to trust him. Help us to recommit ourselves to him. And we pray that by your Spirit, you might be at work to convince those who haven't yet trusted in Jesus that they must trust in him before they meet you in judgment. Father, we thank you for this simple yet challenging and encouraging psalm. We pray that we would have it ringing in our hearts and minds as a new week begins and that you would be with us in all things. And we pray these things in the name of the righteous man, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.